Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now, our host, Deborah Hardnett. Computer crashes, virus attacks, theft. If one hasn't happened to your computer yet, it's just a matter of time. So be prepared. Get Carbonite online backup before you have your inevitable disaster. With Carbonite, your pictures and your other files are backed up automatically. And it's easy to get them back. Carbonite customers have had over 7 billion files safely restored. Think about that. Over 7 billion files restored that might otherwise have been lost forever. Plus, with Carbonite, you can access your backed up files from any computer or on your smartphone or iPad with a free app. Unlimited backup is only $59 a year. That's less than $5 a month. And here's a special offer. Try Carbonite free for 15 days. You don't need to give your credit card number. Plus, get two free months if you decide to buy. Just click on the Carbonite banner or visit Carbonite.com and use offer code free trial. That's Carbonite.com offer code free trial. Or simply click on the Carbonite banner on your screen. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now... Our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the professional black woman. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to inspire and encourage you, the listener, and second, we want to edify, promote, acknowledge, and just say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today happens to be Monday, April 18, 2011, and you know, I hope you are as excited about your future as I am, because trust me, it is very bright. No matter what it might look like to you today, it is very bright. And now, you know, we are here every week. That's at the same time, Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so please go and spread the word. Well, today, we are so excited about our show. I mean, it's it's just, 
I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. You know, we have not only do we have on our show a shifting of gears, but we have a wealthy brother. And I not only mean by financial standards, but most importantly, rich with substance, content, and knowledge. He's someone who knows firsthand what it means to make no excuses and to create your own destiny. Having been orphaned at a very, very young age, told to drop out of high school, get a trade, you're not college material, to mopping floors in LaGuardia Airport to put himself through college. Today to what we see has just been an awesome blessing and a catalyst to so many of us in all of our success stories. So what we need you to do right now for our very, very special episode of Wealthy Sisters is go call everybody, text them, tweet them, Facebook them, let them know to dial 347-838-9278. That's 347-838-9278. Or you can listen live at www.wealthysisters, that's S-I-S-T-A-S dot com, wealthysisters dot com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and you can even follow us right there. Let them know that today we have none other than Mr. George Frazier. We like to call him the godfather of networking. He is the CEO and chairman of FrazierNet, a company that he founded some 20 years ago with the vision to lead a global, get that now, a global networking movement that brings together diverse human resources to increase opportunities for people of African descent. He is considered by, considered by many to be a new voice for African Americans and one of the foremost authorities on economic development, networking, and building effective relationships. Mr. Frazier held executive leadership positions with Procter & Gamble, the United Way, and Ford Motor Company. He's the author of Success Runs in Our Race, one of the most powerful books, which is the complete guide to effective networking in African American community and also race for success the 10 best business opportunities for blacks in America and his most recent book click 10 truths to building extraordinary relationships Mr. Frazier is also the publisher of the award-winning Success Guide Worldwide, the networking guide to black resources he's also the founder of the annual Super annual, I believe their tenth year we'll talk about today, Powered Networking Conference. He's been he's been touted as the top power brokers in black communities, one of the top fifty. He's been on the cover of Black Enterprise. I need not say any more. We're gonna take a short break, come right back and hear from none other than the godfather of networking himself, Mr. George Frazier. Thank you for tuning in to Wealthy Sisters. Would you like to reach quality professionals? Expose your product and services to thousands on a monthly basis? Advertise with the Wealthy Sisters Media Group. Our packages include both on-air and website banner placement. Call our offices today at 1-800-917-9435, extension 803, or visit our website at www.wealthysisters.com to begin building your brand today. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot nuisance novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Colonel Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. 
We are live back on Wealthy Sisters. This is Deborah Hartman, and we have an awesome show today. As always, you know, we say that every week, but we really, really need it today. Our very, very special guest is none other than Mr. George Frazier, who is the CEO and founder of The Frazier We're excited about this conference coming up in June. We're going to be talking about that today. Also, his phenomenal book, Success Runs in Our Race, The Complete Guide to Effective Networking. So without any further delay, welcome to to Wealthy Sisters, Mr. Frazier. Deborah, it is so wonderful to be on your program <clears throat> this afternoon, and, and God bless you for all the incredible work that you have been doing in our community and leading our sisters in the proper direction, building wealth, closing the uh, the wealth gap in our community, economic development. I, I don't think there's a, a subject more important for our people than that subject, and God bless you for the incredible miracle that you have performed and and, and and we just we just love you for the work and the commitment, the deep commitment that you've made to our community. So it's an honor to be with you. There's just no question about that. Well, thank you so much, sir. You know, the admiration is so strong for you. And, I mean, I, I think about the, the time I first saw you. I believe it was in the early 2000s or late 90s when I was first introduced to you mm-hmm. at um, the J-Bass tour that wow. the McCoys did That's in Atlanta right. wow. at Chapel Hill Harvester Church. <laughs> that, wow. Which is, I completely yeah. forgot about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible, incredible yes. they had. Yes, and I, I was just so Im- amazed by what you were saying. And you know, you can you can always know when something resonates with you when you feel like that's what I've been thinking. And and you actually put it so eloquently into words, you know. And uh, I, so we we just can't thank you enough for being here. And and I also think of one of my favorite interviews of you is when I uh, listened to Jerry Clark standing on the shows of Giant, where you yes. said, "Don't waste my time." <laughs> job tomorrow, you pack your stuff up and you get out of there. And 
and, and go do what God has put you here to do. Go find your purpose and your passion, and you act on that as you have, Deborah, as you have, and act on that. That is what you are supposed to be doing, because I've never met anyone who did not like what they were doing and was good at mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. I've never met that person. So leave that place that you are where you actually you're messing up your life, you're wasting your time, and you're messing up that place, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and so what, what we don't want in our community is mediocrity. And there's so much mediocrity because so many of us are doing that which we do not like, that which we do not love, that which the Creator has not put us here to do. And so you have mediocrity. So we have to get to excellence. And you can only perform with excellence, with amazingness, when you are doing what God has put you here to do, when you are on assignment. And what do I know about people who perform with excellence like Deborah Harden? What do I know about those people? I know that those people will never have to worry about opportunity. They will never have to wait in a line for anything. People will wait in a line for them. This is what I know. You will never have to worry about business. When you are excellent, people will seek you out. Why? Because most of America is just mediocre. And so if you can rise above the masses, you see, that's where all the competition is, Deborah. The competition is in America is among mediocrity, okay? So if you're mediocre, wow. you're competing with the masses of Americans. But if you are excellent, if you are amazing, you will rise above the masses, and you will have unlimited opportunity in this great country that we live in. And I don't care what color you are, because the only color that really matters in America, if you Mm -hmm. really want to tell the truth, is green, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the only color that really matters is green. So excellence and amazingness will get you to the color that really matters, and that is wealth in this country. In a capitalistic society, wealth is what matters. Uh, wealth is what matters, and we don't understand that in our community. We are not capitalists, and we need mm-hmm. to become capitalists, but we need to add a C to capitalism, and that's compassion. Because we know that capitalism, we see what has happened to this country, right? In the last three right. or four years, it's been run by capitalists who were greedy. And so they raped and pillaged and almost brought this country down because they had no consideration and no concern about anybody other than themselves and feathering their own bed. So we as black people must add a C to capitalism, and that's compassion, but we must be about economic development, wealth creation, economic literacy, because we are an economically illiterate people. And uh, we can put a pin in that, and that, that's my opening, and, and we can go from there. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's like it's like your book. You come straight out in the in the, in the intro with punches, just like mm-hmm, you did mm-hmm, just now, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I love when you talk about when you said, uh, if I might read just a, a little bit, where you said, sure. "Let me warn you about the difficulty in grasping real life networking as I envision it. Mm-hmm. This is not the what's in it for me brand of networking. It's mm-hmm. the brand of networking that calls upon you to give until it hurts." And then give until it feels good. 
is this the kind of networking, uh, it, it is the kind of networking that over time delivers you to your, delivers to your doorstep your every dream and every hope of what you just said there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, Amen. Amen. Because <clears throat> what do we know? Because mm-hmm. wealthy sisters, most of them, if you earn your six and seven figures, you understand business. And what do we know about business, Deborah? We know that business is about relationships. Without relationships, you have no business. Without relationships, you have no business being in business. In fact, the business you are really in is in the business of building relationships. And anyone that has succeeded and has earned great wealth understands a very simple principle, that there is no success that you can attain, sustain, or maintain on your own by yourself in a vacuum, that you will have to develop the interpersonal and people skills, the emotional quotient versus the IQ, intelligent quotients, of being able to work with and through other people and to build the kind of networks over your lifetime that will serve your every need as you will serve the needs of those in your network. And that's why networking is so important for us that we don't quite grasp the idea of networking. But there's a beautiful passage in the in the Bible, John five thirty. Everybody listening this afternoon needs to go look at that passage, John five thirty. And Jesus said, I of my own self can do nothing. Now this was Jesus. And mm-hmm. Jesus said he couldn't do it on his own by himself in a vacuum. So what's up with you? Why would you think that you could achieve mm-hmm. anything significant, anything worth talking about, anything worth sharing on your own by yourself in a vacuum? And I think this is the final thing that God wants us to learn how to do, Deborah, because mm-hmm. we have money, we have intellectual capital, brain power, um, and 60% of the black workforce in America uh, are in executive, managerial, supervisory, professional specialty, vocational, technical, administrative, sales, and business ownership positions. So we have everything, every single thing that we need to succeed in this great country, except each other. Except each, each other. other. Jews yeah. have each other. Asians have each other. East Indians have each other. Arabs have each other. You know, Chinese people have each other. We don't have each other. That's the thing that is missing. That is the final piece that God wants us to learn how to do. And that is, A, to love ourselves so that we can love each other. You see, because if I do not love me, there's mm-hmm. no way that I can love you because uh, you become a reflection of me. And that's called low race esteem. And low race esteem is driven by low self-esteem. So if mm-hmm. I ain't loving on me, I can't love on you. And if I can't love on you, I'm not going to work with and through you. I'm not going to collaborate with you. I'm not going to trust you. And so that <clears throat> is deep in our subconscious mind, and we have to fix that. Now, this is not true of all of our brothers and sisters, but it's true of too many of our brothers and sisters. And this is why uh, 48 years after Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, 48 years after his speech, we're at the bottom of every single statistic that matters in America. 
72% of our children are born out of wedlock. We have more black men in prison than we have in college. 36% of our women are married. And 40% of our black boys uh, uh, graduate from high school. So we are in crisis. Mm -hmm. We are in trouble. And Mm -hmm. when we look at our wealth, when we look at the gap between us and, let's say, white folk, that gap was always wide, but in the last 48 years, it has gotten even wider. Why? So, why do you think so? Why do you, why do you think that? Because I think back to where my my grandparents, who they were able to amass land and things mm-hmm. that we you know we're not able to do, we're not doing today. They they built something out of nothing. I mean, your testimony, mm-hmm. your story. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people who are now popping all types of pills because of the recession. Where you see someone like yourself who, who actually put yourself through college, through all the odds mm-hmm. of um, you know someone even not telling you that you can do this, and we have this. Why do you think we're at that point today? Um, we've lost our way. Now let me give you a biblical analogy. Okay. When the Jews were freed from the Pharaoh. Okay. God required that they wander in the desert for 40 years mm-hmm. when they actually could have gotten to the promised land in a lot a shorter period of time mm-hmm. but it was required that they wander in the desert after their freedom and by the way think about we, we got our civil rights Deborah in 1964 mm-hmm. we got the right to vote in America in 1965 so we're really just a generation or two out of oppression Okay. Right. The job right. that I got at United Way and Procter and Gamble began really in the late sixties and seventies. That's when the doors of opportunity opened in those big corporate uh, halls for black people. There were a few that got in a little bit before, but for the masses of us, it was in the sixties and seventies that we got opportunities that we never dreamt of. Okay. And we got those opportunities. There was a great northern migration of black people from the south to the northern uh, 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 states so that we could get jobs that that promised us a a living wage and work in the factories and build cars. Steel and rubber. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we worked and we built a middle class and Mm -hmm. and we started smelling ourselves, okay? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we we, we, we started buying stuff. And, mm-hmm. and 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 we 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 came we became consumers instead of producers. You see, back in the day, mm-hmm. when 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 banks wouldn't allow us to bank with them, when they wouldn't insure us, when we couldn't shop in their stores, when we couldn't get gas in their gas stations, we had to do this stuff ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So we be, we were a producing people, not just a consuming people. Okay, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when integration came and we were able to leave our neighborhoods for in quote a better way of life okay better schools better neighborhoods better homes we left those neighborhoods those who could we left those neighborhoods see jewish people don't leave their neighborhoods i don't care how how things get asians don't leave their neighborhoods east indians don't leave their neighborhoods they stay in their neighborhoods um, regardless of where they are 
on the socioeconomic scale. And when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, my father was a cab driver. And next door to us was a dentist, and down the block was a lawyer, and next across the street was the doctor, and uh, across the street from the doctor was the factory worker, right? <laughs> Everybody, regardless of what you did, lived in that community, because we couldn't live in any other community. We could only live in the community which they allowed us to live in at that time. Laws changed all of that. We abandoned our community, left the poorest, right, took away the tax base, and then the educational system of those communities began to deteriorate. Okay, So that's one thing that happened. The second thing that happened is our music changed. One of the advantages that I had growing up and you had growing up is I had Malcolm X in one ear, Dr. King in the other ear, in the other ear and I had Smokey Robinson writing the lyrics for our music. Okay, We were partying and dancing to Motown. Right to right. Gladys Knight, and to Martha Rees and the Vandellas, to uh, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, to Luther. And if you ever compare the words of of Smokey Robinson to Little Wayne, mm-hmm. it would shock you. Mm-hmm. It would shock mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. our music changed, and the words and the ideas and the thoughts and the aspirations of that music, okay, um, changed, and uh, this music, through new instruments of getting music, whether it's a handheld device or whether it's on your radio, the, the availability of this poison, which I think in the early stages of rap music was poisonous, okay? There's rap music that is wonderful, and it's good, and it's progressive, and it's powerful, and it's, and it's pragmatic, and it speaks to what we ought to be doing. But back in the day, when rap was just getting started, it was poisonous. So I think our music infected at least two generations of our children. And I don't have to tell you what that music called us, mm-hmm. how they disrespected mm-hmm. our mothers, our women, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that had a really a poisoning effect. So, A, the music changed. What we were listening to as young people was different. I think the second thing that happened is we killed our leaders. Malcolm was killed. Dr. King was killed. So we did not have those kind of powerful, progressive voices speaking to us. I think we also, because we were now free, in a sense, and we had money, okay, Mm -hmm. that we bought into the whole notion that we were a consuming people and not a producing people, okay, that America needed us to consume, and they needed us to entertain them. So the stereotype of our community became the only thing we really are good for and can do is sing and dance, play football, baseball, and basketball, and entertain people. We were not the rocket scientists. That was left to others, right? There was, no, there was little or, or no emphasis on that. Uh, there was emphasis on buying, uh, you know, Ralph Lauren and Armani and Nike, and we became a consuming people. And so I believe that since the 60s when we were freed, okay, basically freed, we got civil rights, voting rights, and public access in the 60s, 64, 65, that we have been wandering in the desert as the Hebrews were wandering in the desert when they were freed from the Pharaoh, okay? Because it was important for us to understand that freedom ain't free, that it is harder to be free 
than it is to be enslaved. Why? Because now you must collaborate. Now you must organize. Now you must build infrastructure. Now you must connect the dots. And this requires a tremendous and a very high level of cooperation and love and togetherness. And we were not ready for that. I think we're ready for it now. But I think the last four years, we were, in a sense, having a party. We were celebrating our freedom. Okay, because prior to that, we didn't have anything. We we, we couldn't have right. and our money. And so, so, right. so I'm here to tell your audience this afternoon, brothers and sisters, the party is over. It's the over. party is over. It is mm-hmm. time for our community to get down to business because mm-hmm. we are in crisis and we need a miracle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we need a miracle, you see. But but I'm okay with that because a miracle says that there's hope. We needed a mm-hmm. miracle to get free. We didn't have any guns or money. It, it took mm-hmm. 250 years for us to free ourselves. It took a miracle. It took, in a sense, God's intervention. We need a miracle for civil rights, voting rights, and public access. That took 100 years from 1864 to 1964. We needed a miracle. So we need a miracle now. Mm-hmm. And as people like you, places that people go like the Power Networking Conference, where we will teach people, train people on how to be responsible and to be obedient uh, as we apply the rules and regulations for, in fact, achieving a miracle. Mm. That's where we responsible. are. Responsible. Responsible. That's, right. that's, that's right. a major word that, that we have to look at. Uh-huh. And obedient. Uh-huh. And See? obedient. And obedient. Right? Mm-hmm. So what we have lost our way on is responsibility. That we continue to point the finger at others for mm-hmm. our plight mm-hmm. and, and not knowing or remembering that there are four fingers pointing right back at at us. That is not to say that our government does not have a role in our freedom. Of course it does. We pay taxes and we expect a return on our investment. But until such time as the government does right by our community, right, Mm -hmm. we have to accept the responsibility. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. have to do what we have to do to educate our children. And I I tell parents all the time, if you have a child that graduates from high school and cannot read, you Mm. need your ass kicked. That's Mm. on you. That's the bottom line. That's on you. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. How would you allow your child, how would you just Mm -hmm. find out after Mm -hmm. 12 years of so-called education that your child can't read? Mm -hmm. That means that you were not involved. Mm-hmm. That you took no because responsibility. Of course. It takes so work. Oh, whether yeah. your school is doing the work that they need to be doing to make sure that your child reads or not, mm-hmm. the responsibility for your child to read falls on you. Why? Mm-hmm. Because if your child can't read, and the, and that child is put out here in the world, or, can, or, or does not graduate from high school, it's going to come back on you. It ain't coming back on the school. It's coming back on you. They're going to be living with you until they're 40. They're going to be begging for you until they're 40 or 50, or they're going to be in jail. You bailing them out. 
You bailing them or, out. Or burying them you. before time. Yeah. Regardless mm-hmm. of what you say, it's still coming back mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to accept the responsibility and do the things that are necessary in the context of our community, and there are many things that we can do um, to take our people, to take our community, to take our businesses, to take our careers to where they are supposed to be. Well, because give us, give us some, give it, give us some. I know you have, like you said, there's so many things that we can do. What are some of the key things you suggest for us to do for the listeners right now who say, you know what, I really want to take responsibility, and I want to be obedient to what Mr. Frazier is saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to cover that completely. Mm-hmm. There are many things, and we mm-hmm. don't have enough time to go through that. But I'm going to just give you a couple of simple things. That we could do right now, that, that no one is responsible for this but us. Number one, we must change our kitchen table conversation. Mm. That's number one. You see, it's no longer, Deborah, important what Beyonce is going to be wearing at the BET Awards. Right. See, that's what we talk about around the kitchen table. No one gives a crap about that. No. Why no. is that no. important? Why? What is important when we that we talk about around the kitchen table <laughs> is Bobby. How are your grades? Mm-hmm. Um, did you do your homework? Where mm-hmm. you're going to college? Not if you're going to college. See, that's what Jewish people talk about around the kitchen table. We have to change the kitchen table conversation. Mm-hmm. That's on us. No one can make us do that but us. So, what are we discussing? in the context of our family, right? I think we, we need watch. a bar mitzvah yeah, <laughs> for, exactly. for our, our sons. I mean, a little rights of passage program like, 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 yeah. like Jewish people have a rights of mm-hmm. passage program, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no question about that. We mm-hmm. watch 70 hours of television a week. We watch twice as much television, black people, as mm-hmm. any cultural group in this country. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we could do is cut the number of hours that we're staring in front of this tube and uh, encourage our children to read. Now, reading is what saved my life. I had an English teacher in the fourth grade, Mrs. Lambert. I'll never forget her. And 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 when we came to English class, she said to us, the only thing we're going to do this semester is read. Wow. I'm not going to teach you any English. You're going to learn your English by reading books and us discussing books and the interpretation or the comprehension from what you read. And so everybody groaned. And then she required us each. <laughs> she started out semester with everybody having to read a book and uh, that opened a whole new world for me and prior to that um, you know I I was a little bit bored I wasn't a great student by any Mm -hmm. stretch of the imagination I was a C student so I didn't really have a love, I cannot say honestly that I had a love for education. Mm -hmm. Um, But what she taught me 
in that one class made the made the most profound difference in my life to this moment. And that was she taught me to love learning, different mm-hmm. than loving education. By reading, I was able to escape my circumstances, which were toxic and dire circumstances. I was able to go wherever I wanted to go. It fertilized my imagination. It helped me to understand sentence structure and how to communicate, okay, simply and effectively and powerfully. It helped me to be able to paint a picture because that's what words are, really. It's painting a picture with words. And then I I learned how to paint a picture with words, and then I took that same exercise and learned how to paint a picture while speaking, right? And Mm -hmm. so it fascinated me, this thing called reading, because we weren't doing any reading at at my home. That was not a big thing uh, in, in my home at that time. So it made me love learning. And the moment the love for learning clicked in, I had an insatiable appetite. I wanted to learn. I wanted to read everything that I could read because it was just wonderful to know stuff. And then the little stuff that I knew based on reading, I would, you know, when I was around adults, I would say something, but I basically got it out of a book or got it out of, got it out of a magazine or something, and I would say something. And uh, 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 and 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 the, the adult would look at me and they would go, George, <laughs> where you get wow, that? Where did you get that from? They <laughs> said that's really good, and they would hug me and kiss me. And so what I did is I attached love <laughs> from adults, affection, and recognition from adults to learning. Mm. See, mm. so I made a connection in my mind, in my brain. Man, if I could learn something, and then I could sort of talk about it a little bit around some adults, they would show me some love. Mm-hmm. And what is it that we all want? What is the, the 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 thing that we have an insatiable appetite for? To be loved, yeah. to it. be recognized, to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I connected learning with love. And it has impacted my life. I read 100 books a year. And then it has enabled me to write, right? So I've written three best-selling books. And as I wrote those books, people read those, purchased those books, and wrote those books, which have made me you know, millions of dollars. But more importantly than that, so it has enriched me in one way, but more importantly than that, people write me letters, people call me up, and they express their love for what I have written. And then I've taken that written word and changed it into a spoken word, and now I stand at the podium in front of a a thousand people and are able to speak what I have written and what I have experienced, and people line up at the end. They stand up and applaud. They come and line up and buy my books. They hug me. They want to take pictures. Well, what is this? This is satisfying the insatiable appetite that we all have for love, that love, that every single thing that we do, Deborah, every single thing that we do is so that somebody will love us. Yeah. And love, love is incredibly important to every species on earth. 
especially humans. Love is, 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 is you can't start it like a car and you can't stop it with a gun. Mm. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be recognized. Everyone wants to be told you're important. I don't care where you are on the socioeconomic ladder of success. I don't care if you're the president of a Fortune 500 company or that you're sweeping a floor uh, uh, in a manufacturing plant, okay? Mm-hmm. We all have an insatiable appetite for someone to come over to us, regardless of where we are in life, and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I really appreciate you. Keep up the good work. It doesn't matter. This is what we want. Now, not enough of us are getting the kind of love getting that it. we really right. want, but this is what we want. This is why right. we do what we do. The clothes we wear, the successes that we achieve, the books that we read, the knowledge that we um, uh, experience and share with others um, and, 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 and get people's attention, and it's because... We are seeking to be loved. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> it is making the connection between the things that will garner us love, which is really success and contribution, giving and serving. That's the purpose of life. There is no other purpose of life. The purpose of life is to love, to give, to serve, and to add value to somebody mm-hmm. or something. There is no other reason to be living on this earth, to love, to give, to serve, and to add value. When you are loving or when you are giving, when you're serving and when you're adding value, you are getting love. Mm-hmm. And that's why we live. Mm-hmm. And those who don't get it become everything that you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and if you break it down and you peel back the onion and you say, why is this person this particular way? Or they ain't getting enough love. Why are they not getting enough love? They're not doing the things that will bring them love. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to give it to them, there is a there is a a, a whole time period that they right. have to be able to recognize that that's, that's what exactly it is. Right. That's that's what it yeah. is. That's what it is. So yeah. we have lost our way. We do not uh, understand the the whole concept of community. What is community really about? Community is about the sharing of love, Mm -hmm. the investment in each other, Mm -hmm. the supporting of each other Mm -hmm. so that we can achieve, so that we can do well while doing good, so that we can make a profit and make a difference, and so that we can be loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it begins with loving, but again, it first begins with loving you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you begin to love you when you're doing what the Creator has put you here to do. Mm-hmm. Which what you started out with. Now, what right. what do you say to the people who say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, you told them to leave their job tomorrow. I mean, what do you, I mean, I got, I got bills. I got, mm-hmm. I got, you can't tell them that's irresponsible. You can't tell somebody to do that, to leave their job. No, no, no. I, I mean that as a metaphor. I, I don't mean that yeah. literally. Yeah, okay. well, you know, you but, know how you know what people think. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean that. I don't mean it literally. You don't leave your job um, unless you have another job. <laughs> okay, um, because there is this thing called security that we're all seeking. Mm-hmm. All right. So no, you meet, uh, you leave your job, you leave your job metaphorically. In other words, you say to yourself, the next day you go to the, I don't really really enjoy doing this 
am, mm-hmm. and obviously I, I don't enjoy doing it because I'm not really that good at it, right? So when you're not good at something, it's because you don't really want to be doing that. So what you what you leave is you leave it mentally in a sense. You say, okay, I'm here for this moment in time, but I am going to begin searching my soul, searching my heart um, for that thing that I can can begin exploring, that I can ultimately turn into the work that can be monetized and I'm paid for. All right? So that's done over a period of time. You see, what I did in the three jobs that I had prior to going into business for myself 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I spent 13 years at Procter & Gamble learning sales and marketing. Right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Mm-hmm. But I knew in my mind, Deborah, I knew in my mind that I wasn't going to be there for the rest of my life. This was something, this, is a, this was a step that God wanted me to take to learn certain things that I needed to learn. Now, I didn't know where I was going to end up, I just knew that I needed. I was there for a reason. You know, they say mm-hmm. people come into your life. Things can come to your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I know. Mm-hmm. I was there for a season to learn mm-hmm. what I needed mm-hmm. to learn. And then from there, I went to United Way, where I stayed three years. Right, and mm-hmm. there were cer- certain things that I learned and wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Certain opportunities mm-hmm. I had to express myself and to do things. Um, uh, and then I left there after three years to go with Ford Motor Company to, in their minority dealer development program, which was my first entree into entrepreneurship and to learn the business of business. And um, and then after the two-year training program with Ford Motor Company, I knew that I didn't want to sell cars, but I knew that I had to learn some things, and I knew uh, by that time, not to, this is now 20 years into it, okay? Wow. 20 mm-hmm. years, 20 mm-hmm. years into it. I had figured out what it was that God had put me here to do mm-hmm. and what it was that I had to share mm-hmm. and what it was that I had to teach and what mm-hmm. my moral and spiritual responsibility was. And then that's and only then after 20 years of experience, um, good, bad, and indifferent, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, um, that I knew that I was to step out on my own. I was ready. I had built a huge bank account, stock options, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'd made an, uh, an incredible number of friends. I'd built a, you know, a personal, operational, and strategic network. I was ready, right? Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. solid into my marriage. I'd been with my, my wife for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so we were 15 years into our relationship. So, And she was uh, an executive uh, at a major corporation in Cleveland, I was ready. I was ready, and then mm-hmm. I made my then I made my move into doing entrepreneurially what God had put me here to do. Mm-hmm. Now I had been doing it, quite frankly, all along, but in little right. pieces. Right, I had been speaking and I had been talking about the same things that we're talking about. This is twenty five, thirty years ago. Talk about these same things. I had not written about it. Right. right. I had not written. I right. hadn't written any books about it, but the thoughts and ideas. Anybody that has known me over that period of time, and they will tell you, you know, George has been talking He's about been saying the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. For as long as I've right. been doing it, 
Right. right. It's got better. It's got a little bit more sophisticated. It's got a little bit more elegant and eloquent. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the concepts have been the same. Mm-hmm. But you see, what I knew deep in my heart is that <clears throat> it's one thing to talk about it, you've got to be about it. So I knew That's I had to be about, about it first, so, so mm-hmm. that when I talked about it, Mm-hmm. It would be talk, I would talk out of what I actually was doing myself. Mm-hmm. I, I tell I tell people that all the time. I said, um, uh, wherever you are speaking, the central question that everybody is asking in their own mind, mm-hmm. right? But they will never ask you. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. who are you? to say what you are saying. Are you mm-hmm. about what you're speaking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I deeply believe that you don't really have a right to speak about it until you are about it. Until you're about it. Until you're about yeah. it. Right? right. See, so you could right. speak about what your blog talk radio program is about because that's what you are about. Right, right. So you speak out of your own experiences. And I tell people, I'm not some theoretician. I'm not an academician. Right. The only power that I bring to this podium is I. I'm doing everything I'm talking about. Exactly. Right? I'm right. doing it. Right? Right. So I'm telling you, you what I'm it. doing. If you want to be like me, you got to do what I do. Right. And I will teach you right. how to do what I do. But, but you know, you can't give what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. Right. Exactly. And especially so I, today, yes. Right. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. we have to be about it. And mm-hmm. and once you are about it, it's easy to understand, or easier, it's not easy, but easier to understand where people get off track. Because mm-hmm. you, you asked me that question at the very early stages of this conversation. What happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I can talk mm-hmm. about what happened because I've lived it. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. studied it. I've measured it. I've I've asked enough questions. I've read enough books. I've looked and, and, and had enough experiences. I know what's happening out here, um, and, and 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 I know that it can be turned around. But I know that it will take a miracle mm-hmm. for us to turn it around. Mm-hmm. But but a miracle provides us hope, and I know that we can perform a miracle. I, and I know that uh, we should never engage in the conversation or even ask the question, when are all black people going to do anything? All black <laughs> people ain't going to do nothing. Okay? Right. <laughs> there were black people that was really okay with slavery. Right. right. Exactly. That's why exactly. Harriet Tubman Harriet, was carry a gun. That's right. Right? I mean, this slavery That's thing, right. so there were a whole bunch of black people. This slavery thing is, like, really good. <laughs> don't you mess it up. No, <laughs> you know, don't you mess it up. You start messing up, yeah. we're going to tell Massa. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I know Mr. Gaston talked about, you know, with him owning the banks, you know, a lot of the, he did not want this, you know, all the desegregation because he knew what would happen, what you said. You That's know. exactly right. We, we'd go away. We'd go away. <laughs> We'll go yeah. away because we had been taught for ten generations that the white man's uh-huh. ice is colder, that the white man's sugar is sweeter. Right. Right? Right. That your people right. are less than, and mm-hmm. and why would you even want to do business with your people? Right. right? We can do it better right. for you. We can give you more. I mean, so we were taught that. Now, not for right. not for a few years, but for ten generations. Yes. 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 So You're those right. Were planted in our minds. It was the whole Willie Lynch syndrome. 
Yes. And were planted in our minds, and they're still bearing fruit. Oh, sure. You know, I I think of uh, being honest with myself. I I saw a poster uh, in the the school supply store a couple of weeks ago of the presidents, and I hadn't seen that poster since I've really been in school. Now that my daughter's seven years old in school, it was there, and I saw the poster, and I saw all of the presidents, and then the last president, you know, President Barack Obama. It just, it was like a chill that went over me because I, I hadn't expected to see that. And it was even probably about six months to a year before I could get used to him seeing him on television, That's you right. know, just because of what I, my conscious had been taught for so many That's years. That's right, absolutely. So, We've been conditioned. We yeah. have been conditioned, and our psychologists talk about this all the time, and you, and, and, and it's, a, it's a real issue in our community, but we have got to bless it and release it. We have got to get over that. We have got to take personal responsibility. We must be obedient, right? And, you know, there's seven steps to a miracle. I'm not going to talk about those now. I'm going to talk about those at the, at the Power Networking Conference, right? The right. Mm-hmm. But, but the first step of a miracle is you've got to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. you got to have a right. problem. Right. right. So we have a problem. Right. We qualify. Right. <laughs> right. Right? We, right. We qualify. Right. The second step is you got to pray. Right? right? You've got to be in contact with, in connection with a higher power. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the third step is what? Responsibility. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But God says, if you do this, I will do that. Mm-hmm. But God ain't doing that until mm-hmm. you do this. Until we do this, right. That's right. So you mentioned the conference. I mean, it's celebrating its 10th year. Is that correct this, this That's year? That's right. This is the 10th anniversary, yes. June 9th through the 11th in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Marriott Marquis. If anybody interested in going to the conference, please go to our site, www.frasernet.com. Get all the information that they want, or they can just call at 216 Six nine one six six eight six extension three three zero, and we will give them a special discount for listening to your program today. It's normally six hundred ninety five dollars. If they'd like to go to the conference, they can go for two hundred and forty nine dollars. Wow, forty nine dollars. So, wow. if you're interested, take advantage of the sister who has connected the dots here, Deborah Harnett, and 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 call or go to the website, and two hundred and forty nine dollars is your price for the conference. Oh, and we wow. need every good and righteous thinking black person at this 10th anniversary conference because it will be like yes. nothing you've ever seen before. Why is it important for us to, because that I know with, you know, I've shared with you about the conference and that, that we do, you know about the Winter mm-hmm. Summit, and, and part of, and I know you, by this being your 10th year, part of our selling point is first educating that we need to attend something, you know, like <laughs> Why is it important for us to be in this type of environment? I posted something on my fan page on Facebook, Mm -hmm. and I want everybody who's in your network to join my fan page because I post every day. And here's what I posted last night. I said, we constantly hear, I'm looking for something better. Mm-hmm. Rarely is that statement followed by a definition of something better, and almost mm. never by a plan for this move. For it's that simply time. 
a mm-hmm. lazy expression of dissatisfaction and unbridled mm-hmm. ego. They don't mm-hmm. see that personal improvement and development is up to them. It's not someone else's job. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how clear are you about your personal self-development plan? Mm-hmm. So this is about self-development. This is about the personal responsibility of uh, taking your life, taking your career, taking your business, taking your family, taking our community to the next level. That will require self-development. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you get at the Power Networking Conference. The best mm-hmm. speakers, the best trainers, right? Because we are not an issues conference. We don't talk about black America's issues. We know what right. the issues are. Round tables, right? Right. No, right. we talk about where the opportunities, and mm-hmm. we train you on how to take advantage of the opportunities and where they are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you connect mm-hmm. with powerful people who can provide you access to mm-hmm. opportunities, because that's where mm-hmm. opportunities are. Opportunities come through access. Come through access. That's access. right. So if you want access, right. you got to come to the conference. Got to come to the conference, and we have about five minutes left in the show. Please give us the phone number again and mm-hmm. your website again. Mm-hmm. The phone number is two one six six nine one six six eight six extension two zero one. I'm sorry, extension three three zero. Extension three three zero. Three three zero. Okay. Uh-huh. And the and website is mm-hmm. www.frasernet. F R A S is in Sam. E R N E T. Is it Tom? Mm-hmm. dot com. Mm-hmm. That's dot com. We have a special offer for you: two hundred forty-nine bucks. It's normally six hundred ninety-five dollars. We've got some of the great speakers in Black America, including Yala Benzant will be there this year. Lisa Nichols will be there. Dr. Naeem Akbar. Uh, Dr. Ron Daniels. Dr. Julianne Malvo. Glenda Bridgeford, I mean, Dr. Randall Pinkett, the brother who won The Apprentice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Not to mention we get an, another opportunity to hear you as well. Yeah. And that, uh, to hear that uh, the seven steps that you're going to talk about with four minutes left. I know um, the book you've written, the, the Ten Best Opportunities for Blacks. What are some of those we Because we know This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman, turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com.